You're listening to Make It Big, a podcast about all things e-commerce, created by Big Commerce. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Make It Big podcast. I'm Melissa Dixon, Director of Content Marketing at Big Commerce, and I am beyond excited for today's episode where we're going to be talking all about Gen Z's impact on commerce and culture and how to connect with this younger demographic. So here to share some expert insights on the topic, we have the incredibly knowledgeable Hannah Ben Shabbat. She is the founder of the research and consulting firm Gen Z Planet and author of the brand new book, Gen Z 360, Preparing for the Inevitable Change in Culture, Work and Commerce. Hannah, such a pleasure to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you very much, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be a guest. Well, as you know, I am pretty excited as well. I'm sure as you recall, when we met at Shop Talk for Women a few months ago, I had sought you out because of my very keen interest in generational marketing. And I was so impressed with your work once I started to learn more about what it is you're doing. So can you share a little bit with our audience about how you got into your specific line of work and how Gen Z Planet was born? So it's all started in my career as a management consultant. I've been a management consultant for 20 years. And during that time, I saw many of my clients really struggling to understand the millennials on multiple levels. One was just to understand the millennial consumer and how to market to them. And the second was how to incorporate them into the workforce. And I saw so many missed opportunities and so many decisions that were made that had to be reversed. And it was a constant struggle. And the fact that 20 years passed have not really changed that. Companies are still struggling with millennials. And I thought that we have a great opportunity to do something really different with Generation Z and get it right from the start. So that was really the inspiration to start Gen Z Planet. The idea is to provide leaders across industries and sectors the information and the insight that they have to do better with this generation. Yeah, it's so important on the workforce side, the commerce side, and we'll we'll dig into the, all of that. I think one of the reasons that this topic really resonates with me and is so fascinating to me is because the time period you're talking about with millennials entering the workforce, that was me. I am very much on the older side of millennials. You know, you have millennials like me that are now pushing 40 and making up, you know, the bulk of the workforce and people still trying to figure out employers still trying to figure out how to work with this generation. And now we're still seeing signs of that. And at the same time, now there's this new surge with Gen Z. And what I wanted to achieve by having you here today is that you can share even just a fraction of your knowledge. You have so much of it with our audience so that they can understand just how important this is to their business. So let's set the stage here. Can you give us a bit of background as far as who is part of Gen Z And then also, what are some of this generation's defining characteristics? So Gen Z is basically anyone who was born from 1998 to 2016. There are good reasons why I chose these two 
points in time. Demographic studies is not an exact science, but 1998 is really the point where we start to see major differences between Gen Z and millennials in the data. And some people put the beginning of Gen Z in 1995 because that's the beginning of the internet. But really, 1998 was when internet started to accelerate. It's also the year that Google was incorporated, which I think really opened the door to a massive acceleration and breakthrough technologies that went to define this generation. The end point is not so clear at this point, but I would argue that 2015, 2016, with all the changes that we have seen all around the world, which is, you know, take into account Brexit and election of Donald Trump in the United States, more trade wars, there is a sense of greater nationalism around the world. And I think it somehow could be a marker of a new era. So... If you take these time frames, basically the oldest Gen Z is 23 years old this year, and the youngest will be five. So many of them are still kids, but that doesn't mean that they are not important. And in total, we are talking about a massive group of people in the United States, $78 million. So just by the sheer size, you can't ignore them. However, what really makes them distinct is the, some of the characteristics that are very different than previous generations. The first one, Generation Z is the most diverse generation to live in this country. 48% are minorities. The second is they are the most connected generation. 87% had access to cell phone before they were 15 years old. This is a generation that never knew a world without a search engine, mobile phone, or social media. So that is very different experience. It changes the way they think about the world, the, the way to connect to the world, the way they learn, the way they process information, and so on and so forth. And... The third characteristic is their level of engagement. This is a highly engaged generation. And through the technology, through their exposure to the world, they have experienced constant economic, social, and political changes. And that actually, that exposure and the events that surrounded them since they were born have created very specific values and very specific behaviors that are going to impact how this generation engage with brands, what they expect from brands, how they engage with future employers, and what do they expect from the workplace. But I think the most important thing about Gen Z and where things getting even more interesting is that as they adapt new norms and new tools and new behaviors, their ability to influence is becoming greater and greater. And we see that all the time. We see how they march for Black Lives Matters and how 
so many people followed or how they basically monopolize TikTok for a while and then everybody follows. So their ability to influence our culture, our political conversation, generally the conversation around us is actually making them very important. So their ability to influence is really going to be one of the reasons why I said that understanding Gen Z is a business imperative, because very soon we will start seeing millennials and Gen Xers and boomers adopting some of these behaviors and expectations and values that Gen Z is kind of bringing to the fort. And that means that it's no longer just about Gen Z. Yeah, exactly. It's not just about Gen Z. It is about the culture and the commerce landscape. And that's what I really want to dig into that I know our merchants and our e-commerce professionals and marketers, I'm sure, are so interested in. So, you know, we're talking about a group of people who range, like you said, from five to 23, based on that timestamp that you gave. So looking at that group, that means a lot of these older Gen Zers are either, like you said, entering the workforce, they're starting to have some buying power, starting to have more of that cultural influence. So Clearly, like you're saying, it's a generation that businesses and brands need to be attuned to. Can you tell us a little bit about how Gen Z is impacting commerce? Sure. So I always said that Gen Z arrival as consumers is going to disrupt the consumer market in a way that we have not seen before. It's not like they are driving the disruption because the disruption is already there. The consumer markets, the retail market have been disrupted for the past few years, but Gen Z arrival is going to accelerate the disruption. And that is because to talk about disruption, we need to understand what happened over the past decade in the consumer market. And if you kind of boil it down, it's going down to two forces. One is technology and how technology shaped the way people shop, the way people look for product, discover products, et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing is values. People are consuming more and more based on their beliefs and value system, and that affects them. And if you take into account Gen Z that have very distinct sets of value, and they know the power of technology and how to use it to their own advantage, their arrival with these two elements are just going to accelerate what we knew about commerce. And the reason why I think it's still kind of disruptive is because it is a very complex group of consumers. They are very savvy. They have high expectations from brands and retailers. They value authenticity and expect brands to be authentic and transparent about who they are. They consume consciously and reward purpose-driven brands like Unilever and their sustainability effort or brands that take a stance on issues that they care about, like take, for example, Nike, which has never been shy from actually taking a position, no matter how that affects their performance. They are also very individualistic because of the strong pressure to build their own brand 
and to distinguish and stand out in a world of a social media, which is a pretty cool world, if you think about it, I think they got to the point where they look at themselves as brands. And when they interact with major brands, they think how this brand helped me to build my brand. So it's kind of a very different relationship. It's no longer, I'm a brand and here is a consumer. I think it will be very interesting to now think I'm a brand that market to personal brands. That's fascinating. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about and brands need to start kind of get into that mindset. If my consumer is a brand themselves, how do I communicate to them? What do I actually market to them? How do I help them to build their brand? And it's almost more like a partnership then. That's different than what we've seen before. Exactly. You are not talking down to someone. You have to have a conversation. And I think that's a major change in, in those relationships with consumers. And I think the other thing is, you know, there is a bit of a misconception about Gen Z that they are so focused on their own brands and it's all about me, me, me. But I think that with Gen Z specifically, it's not so true because they believe that every person is unique and every person should be celebrated. And because everyone is unique, everyone has a place and the me is as important as the we. So the whole idea of community, the whole idea of inclusivity is extremely important for this generation. So diversity, inclusion in everything you do as a brand becoming very important. And when they talk about inclusion, they talk about the whole gamut. It's race, it's gender, it's gender expression, it's body sizes, body shapes, and so on and so forth. And that could be in products and that could be also in advertising. And they really appreciate communities. This is a generation that really wants to be part of something. So that's just another expectations that they have for brands. And when it comes to shopping, I think that's another thing that is very interesting. Gen Z doesn't think stores versus online. For them, really, there is only one retail. And they access that through different touch points. And that's actually put retailers and brands in a very different position because now you have to deliver in the stores and online and in all your channels the experience in a very consistent manner. And it has to be engaging and it has to be it has to be interesting to get the members of this generation engaged. And I think taking that notion into account, I think the pressure on retail stores, on physical retail stores, are going to be much, much bigger going forward. Because think about, you know, big commerce is about e-commerce, but I'm sure that many of your customers have their own physical locations. But if somebody gets used to the highly customized experience that they have online, the discovery on Instagram, the personalization of Netflix, consciously or unconsciously, when they show up in your stores, 
they expect the same thing. So the bar is just going very high because of what they experience in technology. And because this is a generation that grew up with technology, they come with these expectations to the physical stores. And that actually makes things, I would say, more complicated for brands who have to deliver across all these channels. Yeah, we've been talking a lot at Big Commerce with some of our other thought leaders. And actually, in a recent podcast episode, we talked about hybrid retail and the future of commerce. And that's exactly what we spoke about is this hybrid experience where you have to have that holistic experience that's engaging, whether it's online, myriad digital channels, or it's in store in the physical space. And that means that everything has to be consistent and cohesive and also just engaging. And I think particularly when you called out the physical retail space, that's really interesting because now we're seeing more digitizing of the physical space, whether it's just more access to Wi-Fi in store for shoppers or perhaps, you know, shopping from a tablet in the store, just all of those little things that are taking it one step into the future. And that's really where I see what you're saying about Gen Z accelerating the disruption. That's where we really start to see that because of course, omni-channel has been a thing. That's been a thing for years now. Of course, the pandemic accelerated it, but now you have this compounded effect of the pandemic pushing e-commerce forward by 10 years And you have this generation that now has this buying power and the expectations of shoppers are just so much higher. So it's just really interesting to see how all of these things are coming together and, you know, impacting the commerce landscape. So I'm curious, too, since we're on this topic, you know, what are a few key categories that you've seen Gen Z really making an impact in? What resonates with them? Where do they spend their money, basically? So I think that, first of all, it's very important to note that Gen Zers are very empowered consumers from a very young age, because already as kids, they are used to having either access to parents' credit card or to some other sort of payments that allow them to download games to download movies, to download music. So they already, at a very young age, make purchasing decisions like every day. And that's something that, you know, is very important to take into account when you think about this generation. In terms of where they spend their money, my research shows that the top three categories are eating out, That's probably declined a little bit because of the pandemic and the quarantines, but I'm pretty sure it's going to go back again. They really like to go out and eat or they're in from restaurants as opposed to make their own food. So that would be number one. Number two is apparel and footwear which is expected at this young age when young people use fashion and beauty as a way of self-expression. So fashion is a big one. And the third one is entertainment. If you split the data between male and females, you will get a beauty as a fourth category of importance. So I think these are really the key major areas that young people spend their money on, considering that they are not yet ready to make big purchases. 
Yeah. And I know you had a few examples of specific brands. Like I'm thinking on the big commerce side for some of our merchants, like Super Dry and Bliss come to mind. I know. And Nike is such a great example. But are there any other brands that you've taken notice of that are really resonating and doing well with this audience? Yes, I think there is something very interesting to note in the world of brands. When you look at all the big studies that comes from, you know, Gen Z Planet, but also from other companies that examine this generation, you always get the same usual suspect on the top of the list, which is Nike is absolutely one of their favorites. Airy is another one. Shine, the Chinese brand. There are always those usual suspect big brands that you think teenagers will be attracted to. However, one thing that I see happening over the past couple of years is the emergence of new kind of brands, which I call the Z brand. And these are direct-to-consumer brands that are coming into the market with one mission, to serve Generation Z. And they are very interesting brands to watch because I believe that very quickly we will see some of them able to challenge some of the big brands. So one example is Billy Razors that is all about women and empowerment of women and giving affordable razors that are designed beautifully and designed for women. So they have one major focus. And interestingly enough, last year, Procter & Gamble was trying to acquire Billy. And in their announcement, they actually mentioned access to Gen Z as one of the reasons for the acquisition. In the end, the acquisition was blocked because of competition regulations, but that's really one example. And I think those brands resonate with Gen Z because they do few things really, really well. The first thing is these brands have purpose. They care about causes that Gen Z is caring about. The second thing is they have a very distinct visual identity which is not following any kind of rules. I don't know if you guys heard about a company called Gen Z Water. And Gen Z Water is all about selling bottles of water that are made from sustainable materials that you can refill. And their design is just delightful. And again, it's not in line with anything that you would say is the the design of the moment, but they are unique, they are quirky, and they talk into a generation that doesn't like that perfect design, doesn't like that polished look. And I think that's what it's all about. So that's another dimension of it. And the third dimension that these brands are bringing to the table is their communication and how they communicate. They use real people in advertising. They they reflect the diversity of this generation in their communication, in their imagery, in their advertising, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And on that note, I know that you do have in your book, you talk about these six building blocks that form the foundation of next generation marketing. You've touched on them in different ways, 
But I would love if you could give an overview to our listeners of what those building blocks are, because it's definitely going to be a challenge for some merchants, I think, to understand how to market to this group and how to really connect with them. So tell us a little bit about those building blocks for marketing and selling to them. So as I said before, Generation Z is very complex. They have all these characteristics I discussed before, like, you know, they're they're seeking authenticity, they're individualistic, they want to have everything and everywhere they go in the same consistent manner. They, you know, they, they basically want everything so that a consumer could like to have. And they have very certain values that drive their decisions. So I think the first thing to say is that In my research, I found these six building blocks and it's not like you have to use all of these, but you can pick and choose what is right for your brand and what your brand wants to major in. And for some brands, it's going to be purpose because Gen Z really gravitates towards purpose-driven brands that reflect their values. So clarifying your brand purpose is the starting point of winning the hearts of these generations. But it's important to do it in a very authentic way because Gen Z has a very sensitive BS meter. They easily detect when a brand is saying something that it doesn't really stand behind. Also, they no longer just trust the occasional tweet or the big statements in an annual report, they want to see action, like real action. And they expect to show the receipts for what you do. They expect you to take stance in a moment that matter to them. And I think that when they see that happening, that's kind of opened the door to start having some engagement with this brand. The second thing is embrace diversity. Being the most diverse generation Gen Z wants to celebrate diversity in all its form. So when marketing to Gen Z, diversity and inclusion is no longer a nice to have, but is a must have. 60% of Gen Z told me that they never or rarely see themselves in advertising, which I think is a big opportunity for brands to actually consider. It varies, I have to say, it varies by industry. I think the beauty industry has done a better job in that, but still the numbers are still staggering. It's less than 60%, but it's still high. The third building block is uh, is connecting through communities. Gen Z, as I said before, and as opposed to what a lot of people think, that they are so consumed with their phones and they are so much isolating themselves because they do everything from their phone, it is only partially true because they crave human connection both at work and in their daily life. And that is a need that play important role in their adoption of online communities. Gen Z loves to join online communities. And I think it gives opportunities for brands to start asking themselves where Gen Zs are congregating. Can I actually use those big congregation points like Twitch, for example, Twitch games to actually advertise? But even more importantly, can you create your own community? And I think that is one of the biggest opportunities that exists today for brands to actually create their own community. 
The other thing which kind of fall under the community aspect is co-creation with Gen Z. Members of this generation have very strong opinions about brands, what brands are doing, how they should be doing, and they want to be part of what the brand does and give their opinions. So if a brand is planning to create a new product, bring Gen Z into your product development process, has a Gen Z community that you can tap into with regular questions and, and get feedback. They love to do that. And many of them don't expect to be paid for it in a, in a very big way. It's just the, one of the things that they gain out of that is that good feeling that they contributed to a brand that they like, or they voice their views on an issue that really mattered to them. So I think that's like really a great opportunity. That is, that one's really interesting because I mean, consumer insights in general are so critical to brands. So I think having this segment of an audience that's so willing to work with you and give feedback, that's definitely a great opportunity for merchants. Yeah, and then if we go into the next three elements, the fourth building block is personalize everything. As I said before, Generation Z is highly individualistic and they expect brand to recognize that when they communicate with them. That means personalized product, personalized services, and personalized communication. 70% of the Gen Z I researched for my book told me that they don't feel that communication from brands is sufficiently personalized, which actually means that there is a huge opportunities for brands. And it's actually quite surprising considering the amount of money that is spent every day on micro-targeting and on personalization. It just shows how long way to go there is for all of us in this space. But generally speaking, Gen Z really come to the table with this attitude of show me that you know me. And having a personalized experience make them feel valued and make them feel that they are supported by a brand in pursuit of who they are and their individuality. So I think this is another area where I think it's worth investing in communicating with this generation. The fifth building block is what I call feed the content beast. Gen Z grew up with instant access to information. So exploration is part of their everyday lives and they expect brand to satisfy their curiosity and need for discovery through relevant and inspiring content. And they are not compromising on that. Basically, again, in my research, more than 50% of Gen Z said if they don't get the content that they want, they simply stop following a brand or completely ignore the brand as they scroll through social media or to any other place where they receive their content. So I think it's basically means that for a brand, you need to have a content machine that is constantly producing that engaging content. And I think it is something that brands are still struggling with. And it requires a lot of people who create content. It requires the level of creativity that is maintained constant to ensure that level of engagement stays the same. 
certainly uh, something I think about on a daily basis as our director of content. And I think what's so important there is really humanizing your content and your marketing in general. But a way to do that is through your content, through storytelling, through empathetic marketing, through, you know, just connecting with this audience through voice and stories and really just bringing that human aspect into commerce. So I definitely connect with that one, of course. Yeah. And, you know, I've done quite a lot of research to try and figure out what is it that really resonate with this generation. And what I found is that uh, art content actually works really well. And it could be art in all forms. It could be music. It could be photography. It could be any type of art. They like that kind of content. They like inspiring stories about, you know, people, success stories, especially if it's people of their age, people who overcome major challenges. That's the kind of thing that emotionally get them connected and they like educational content. This is a generation that learn to do everything from replacing a tire to finding their way in a new town through watching YouTube videos. And for them, watching a video that relates to your brand, that tells a brand story or tell them how to use a product, it's a very natural thing to do. So I think there are plenty of entry points, if you like, to the hearts of Gen Z, but you have to do it every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to maintain that constant level of engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the constant element is definitely key there too. Well, I know you have this last building block, which I think is really interesting too, when you talk about delivering unique experiences. So tell me more about that because, you know, I feel like that can mean a lot of different things. So what does that mean for Gen Z? Yeah, so I think, you know, unique experience is something that means a lot of things to different people, but really they expect brands to deliver experiences that are authentic, that are memorable and shareable. So I think whatever you do, it's always you have to think, is this experience lend itself to sharing? Can the person actually feel that it's interesting enough to share with others? And I think one way to do that is to have something that keep the audience very active. And that's what Gen Z wants. They want to be active participants, not observer. And I think this is one of the reasons why TikTok became such a popular channel with this generation. Because if you think about it on Instagram, you are an observer. You're scrolling through a lot of other people's stuff. On TikTok, you can watch other people's videos, but the real fun is to create your own and be an active participant and all the interaction that comes with that. And I think that that's something that is important when you design experiences is to actually put the participants in the center. Gen Z wants to be the protagonist in an experience. And when they are the protagonists, when they are actively participating, then they are going to talk about it. They are going to feel more emotionally connected and they're going to be advocating for your brand. And I have a lot of people talking to me about experiences and about the role of technology and experiences. 
And sometimes I think people forget that it's not always sometimes about technology. You can have a very low tech experience that is highly engaging, that put people in the center. Uh, to give you an example, a couple of years ago, JetBlue had a promotion of their flights from New York to California in the middle of the winter. And they literally put this gigantic uh, ice block in the middle of Madison Square here in New York. And they inside the ice cube, there were potential prizes. There were airline tickets, there were golf clubs, apparel gears, and so on and so forth. And they ask people to come and basically chip in the ice and take whatever they can access. And that's something that just draws so many people. And these are the kind of things that Gen Z wants to participate. There was zero technology for that beside from the social media buzz that accompanied that event. But if you think about it, it was such a simple thing to put together and it puts the participants at the center of the experience. So you feel that you are the winner in that experience. Yeah, that's a great example. And I do uh, love that you emphasize that point that it doesn't have to be technology forward or technology centric as long as it's unique in some way that's just that's engaging. And I would also say that because experiences are becoming so important, it puts also a lot of pressure on the e-commerce side of business because, because now the experiences that you can actually create online with technology are phenomenal. And you can do things with virtual reality that you could not do some years ago. And now when you go into a website, what are you getting into? Are you getting into an interesting experience that takes you through a little adventure? Or you are facing a flat page with squares and products and you just kind of very in a transactional way, you just pick what you want. And again, it's like what sort of relationship you want to have with your customers? What do you want them to experience when they come to your site? So I think the envelope is being pushed on both sides of e-commerce and the physical world to do more creative things. And you just did that with your virtual launch, which was a perfect example of a unique experience. So that was very fitting. Okay, so I do want to get into a little bit about the workforce, because I would imagine so many of these qualities that Gen Z possesses and that they value things like diversity and community are certainly things that have an implication for the workforce as well. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what what does it mean for employers and what should businesses keep in mind as they start hiring more and more Gen Zers? Yeah, so I think this is kind of going back to what we said in the beginning. Gen Z is not only important as consumer, Gen Z is going to be important for any company because very soon this is going to be your new hires, if not already. So you have to understand that Gen Z come to the workforce with a lot of expectations and the expectations are not dissimilar to what they expect from brands. So they like to work for companies that do good in the world. They're looking for that 
purpose in the company. So what is it that you do? What you stand for? Employer brands have never been more important than they are today. I think the other thing that is very important to note, and I think it's probably very important to e-commerce customers, is that the traditional way of recruiting is actually doesn't do justice neither to the employer or to the potential employees. Because the traditional job descriptions typically focus, here is the job, and it doesn't explain an industry to a potential recruit. And I think for Gen Z, there are young people who are only familiar with the brands that they come into contact with every day. So they know, yeah, I can work for Google, I can work for Facebook, or I can work for Kellogg because they make my cereal. So they are familiar with some consumer brands, but they are not familiar with all the potential opportunities that exist out there in other industries. And it's so important for people to not only promote the job that they are recruiting for and their company, but also explain their industry, because that's really going to change the way of how you appeal to this generation. Because after all, most of the companies that hire people are not these big corporations. They are 90% of the workforce is in the medium-sized companies or and medium and small. So how do you actually make yourself appealing to them is by explaining the nature of your industry, I think is very important or where your industry is heading and what is attractive about your industry. So I think that's one thing. I think one of the major things to point out is Gen Z have high expectations, not only about purpose and you know the job itself, but they have high expectation for hyper flexibility. So flexibility in schedule and flexibility of location going to be very important for them. I think it's going to be even more important now after the pandemic and I think we see that more and more that many young people believe that they can work for a company that is based, let's say, in San Francisco, where rent and home buying are extremely high. But if they can live somewhere in the South and be able to afford rent and afford home buying, they can actually still work for a company that is based somewhere else and enjoy both worlds in in a way. So I think we're going to see more and more and more of these expectations coming to the fore over the coming year or so. I think the other thing to, to understand about Gen Z is that they are very independent as opposed to millennials who wanted to do everything in a team and the whole office kumbaya, don't expect Gen Z to follow that. Not going to happen. They want to have their own personal space. They want to work independently. They want to actually show that they can do things on their own. So I think it's really for an employer is finding that kind of balance. How do I give them the independence that they're looking for? But also, how do I coach them to understand that doing it all by your own only can take you so far and the power of teamwork is as important. So I think these are kind of maybe the highlights that I would say about the workforce right now. Well, as the eldest living millennial, as I mentioned, and a people leader, I can attest to everything you're saying as true since I am starting to hire and work cross-functionally with a lot of Gen Zers. And, you know, the things that you're mentioning as far as the individualist aspect, the flexibility, but also the loyalty. I think, you know, those are all things that I've witnessed firsthand. 
I would say on this point is something very important. One of the things that happened with millennials is that you joined the workforce, you know, following the 2008 recession and things were pretty rough. And many companies were in a position where they said, we're going to hire people, but we're going to offer them lower than usual salaries. And millennials felt that they have no choice. Their hands are tied. They're just going to accept any offer that comes their way. As a result, we have seen millennials moving from one company to another in a high frequency. So there was this kind of notion developed that millennials are not loyal. I don't think that it's true. Millennials are not disloyal like in an intentional way, what they are doing is a rational economic behavior because with every move, they were able to increase their salaries and kind of close the gap on that slow start. Right, exactly. It's a lot of making up for lost time. And I think that right now we are at risk of repeating the same mistake because we are post-pandemic and companies could say, we will hire, but we will take the opportunity to reduce starting salaries. And I think this is the biggest mistakes that every company could make right now because Gen Z is loyal. They actually, in my research, Gen Z told me that the majority would stay with the company five plus year doing different roles, but they actually willing to give their loyalty to an employer. So I think that companies should not be short-sighted to cut down salaries right now just because we are in this particular situation of post-pandemic, but take that early cost and gain their long-term loyalty. I would say that would be my advice. Well, so much great advice from you today. And I love that you, you know, have all of these strategies and then you know, more granular tactics that merchants can can test out and see what works and see what works for their specific brand and audience. Before we go, though, I do want to ask you, what was the most surprising thing that you found out about Gen Z in your research? I think one of the most surprising thing that I found was their attitude towards money. And I think there are two aspects to it. One is this is a generation that is extremely cost conscious and they prioritize savings over spending. But I think one of the things that was quite surprising to me is how much knowledge they had about money, about savings, about savings product, about investing. They get involved in investing in very early stages. And part of it is the exposure that they had to technology, to financial information and to the possibilities that are available to them. However, for me, it was still very big surprise when I interviewed 16 years old and hear things like, yes, I'm working part time and I put all my money into a Roth IRA. And I was asking myself, you know, when I was 16, I probably didn't know what Roth IRA was. So I just find that savviness and ability to venture and be entrepreneurs and deal with money in such a sophisticated way at this age, quite surprising and refreshing. Yeah. And just impressive. And I think that ties back to the whole idea of this generation that has never 
been without technology and all of this information at their fingertips, including how to start your Roth IRA early. That's great. Well, that's, like you said, refreshing and a super positive note to end on. So Hannah, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this, just the insights that you brought and the advice. It's so fascinating. Um, So thank you again. And tell our listeners, please, where they can find your book or where they can reach you via Gen Z Planet. Yeah, so they can reach me through genzplanet.com. I'm available for speaking engagement, for doing custom research, and you can purchase the book on amazon.com. Yes, and I already got mine and it is fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us and for those tuning in, thanks for listening to the Make It Big podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Hana. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Make It Big. For more insights and expert advice, register now for our Make It Big event, a free two-day virtual e-commerce conference featuring global thought leaders, including Mark Cuban, Anne Hanley, Neil Patel, and more. Register now at bigcommerce.com. Thank you.